You're listening to Vet Candy. Loving what you do for work isn't a requirement to have a successful career, but it sure helps. Luckily for Dr. Craig Clifford, the hours fly by when he's at work. That's because for this veterinarian, medical oncology and improving the lives of pets is what he was made for. I am so delighted to have the opportunity to talk to Dr. Craig Clifford. He's got some great information to share about a new project he's working on, and we are going to be playing 21 Questions. So welcome to the show, Dr. Craig. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So I'm so excited to have you on the show. And I went to tell the listeners out there, like we have, um, if you go to Vet Candy CE and you're cool and you watch our cool CE, it's like the Craig Clifford box set, right? We have lymphosarcoma, we have the dreaded lumps, we have mast cell tumors, we have case studies in mast cell tumors, and oh, and new drugs, we have that. So that's that's huge. And I know everyone's listening out there and they're going to be offended, but I have to tell you, our videographer says that you are the easiest talent to work with. That's nice to hear. Can someone tell my wife that? At least so I can I, I can get some kudos from someone else. We will we'll send you a, we'll send you a certificate that says that. We always call you the Tom Cruise of Vet Med. You're always in there, you're ready, you're prepared to go. You're just ready to go. And we love we love working with you. And you do such a great job. So you must love educating people. I do. I think that, you know, part of it also was, uh, I think it also comes from being a middle child. You know, middle child never feels like they get enough attention. So the idea of being able to be up on stage or have an entire group focused on me um, is definitely something that kind of gears me. And I I absolutely love doing it. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. One of my... Um, Recently, for one of the Fetch conferences, they uh, I was the keynote speaker, and they had actually built a runway onto the stage, and I thought it was the, it was probably the most fun I've had lecturing because you know I walk around on the stage anyway. I don't stand behind podiums. I, I move too much, but I could literally walk all the way down the stage and have everybody literally surrounding me. It was a lot of fun, and I would love to do. I would love to be able to lecture like that again because you're literally in the middle of the crowd, not at the front. I've seen that. Like, I don't know if it's TED Talk that does. No, TED Talk doesn't. Do they? TED Talk? Some of them do, yes. So we need to get you into a red carpet, right? It was fun. It was really nice just because you had to keep turning around because I didn't want to put my back to people. So you were literally like kind of doing a circle lecture. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It was. It was. It was a, it was a fun experience. So now here's the other thing, too. Another thing that we have found from, the, from our Vet Candy uh, filming crew which is one person, right? Especially during COVID, is that you are probably the best dressed veterinarian. We travel around with the vet candy wardrobe, which is made for normal height people. And you're like six four, right? You're you're very tall, I've heard. And I was like, I saw your video. I'm like, wow, he's got the vet candy video, you know, the vet candy wardrobe. I thought you were five ten, like the rest of the vet candy hosts. And nope, you're six four. And I'm like, how did that fit? Turns out you weren't even in wardrobe. You already have like a professional, like really cool hip and happening wardrobe. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, as a guy, that's one of the few things you can change is, is your clothes and what you put on. So I like that. And I also dig, uh, dig funky shoes, which don't always show up on videos, but certainly for lecturing. And uh, my wife jokes that I actually may have more shoes than her. And she might be right. So let me ask you a question. A true GQ person because the videographer is into GQ. Leather or rubber soles? Probably rubber soles. I've gotten more recently into things that are more comfortable. Like uh, I use for my shoes, a company called Wolf and Shepherd. Uh, they're famous with um, you know several football players because basically what they do is they make a really great outside looking shoe, but the sole itself is a sneaker. Really? I'm, I'm Googling that. Wolf and Shepherd. Wolf and Shepherd. They're totally comfortable. They're totally cool. So your hubby will love it. <laughs> Okay, because now with, when COVID hit, like women went to, we wear yoga pants all the time, and then the men wear sneakers, not the business suits, right? Wolf and who? Wolf and Shepherd is the name. We did a fashion magazine once for Vet Candy, and we were talking about working shoes. So this would be the perfect working shoes totally for like a specialist who doesn't wear scrubs like you. You would never, you don't wear scrubs. Like this shocked me too when I found out from Dr. Lily Davis like she didn't even wear scrubs. She says she wears, and I'm like, what? 
Um, Because we were filming her for also, uh, you know, she did um, the Lumpy Labrador CE with us. And then I found out that a lot of like the oncologists are not wearing scrubs. What happened? Why did you guys quit wearing scrubs? Or did you ever wear scrubs? Never. I think as as maybe as an intern, I did um, back then. But even as a resident, no, it was a shirt and tie and, you know, khakis or something like that always been my thing. I don't wear ties anymore. That's the one thing I've kind of given up in the past couple of years, the tie aspect. But, you know, yeah, still dress up for it. So Wolf and Shepherd shoes, we should we should probably redo the fashion issue now that people are looking for things that are more comfortable. So so if you're if you're a specialist, so you have the support of a sneaker, but you have the like the look of a leather shoe. You got it. The look look of a dress shoe, but underneath it's just literally you're sitting in a in a in a sneaker. Okay. So do, do you get a lot of comments on how well you're dressed? I do. I do actually. A lot a lot of owners and a lot of people notice my shoes. They always tend to comment on the shoes for some reason. Yeah, they're like, oh my God, my bill's gonna be so expensive when you walk in, right? Oh wow. Well, you know what's funny? My mom always has this, she's from the South and she always says, there's a thing you say, like if someone's dressed really well, she says, they're dressed like a Philadelphia lawyer. So now I could say, oh, they're, he's dressed like a Philadelphia oncologist. Oncologist, yes, exactly. And, and to go back to the teaching aspect, you know, I think that's something that has always been, you know, important to me. Um, not necessarily the teaching of students, although I, I liked it. It just wasn't, academia was not going to be my career, but my more important thing is making sure the owners understand. So yeah, when I go into a room, the first thing I do is I sit on the floor and usually that kind of de-escalates everything. So you're not staring down at the pet or staring at the owners. I'm literally on the floor. And usually the if it's a dog or cat, they'll actually come over and sit with me. And that always puts the owners at ease. Maybe the bill's not going to be that bad because he's sitting on the floor. Exactly. And, and I think also one of the challenges for many people when they first come out is, you know, we go through all this training, we know a lot, and we want to be able to show the owners we know a lot by using the big words. And then the problem is, is they leave the room and they really didn't understand anything you said. So my goal is I try to take the case and the disease and weave it into a story that no matter where their level is, they understand it in the end. And I think to me, that's probably one of the biggest things that new people miss out on. I got from my friend Claire Hawley at the NCVMA. She had a request. I was doing some speaking for them about doing a lecture about, this is funny. She said, somebody who's probably a little older wanted to have a presentation on how to make the younger generation more professional. And I'm like, oh, first of all, you just need to let them do what they want to do and let them alone. But you can, you could be like that person where they can see your actions. Like, I think the worst thing you can do to someone is say, you're doing it wrong. You got to do it this way. I think you have to, you have to be a good example and they have to see you doing it. Or, you know, you show them and you, like you told me now, like you tell me how you do it and why you do it, like the psychology behind it and let them figure it out. Because I do think if you are like, say, here's what you're going to do. You're going to dress like me. You're going to look really sharp and sexy. Come in there, sit on the floor. Like you can't, you can't do that, right? Agreed. Agreed. And that's just kind of always the way that I've gone about it. And I think it's, it's served me well. You got to think about it. And it's good to be that compassionate and thinking about this pet owner who has like a terminal diagnosis for their pet. They're terrified. They're part of their family, even more than part of their families in, in many cases, right? Agreed. Agreed. The other thing that we're, we're looking into our group is um, the idea of creating, and this is something that we could talk to you guys about, you know, of creating for different cancers, essentially the talk that I do that I sit down and do with the owner. Because where that may actually help, where that would actually be helpful for the owners is we can give them the link to it. They can read or listen to me do the spiel beforehand. That way, when I come in, we can actually talk more specifics and it may actually cut down on it. So it's something to consider just to have several of these. uh, And it's basically just whatever our normal talk is for that disease. And if people can review those beforehand, I think it makes it easier for the consult because a lot of times when they come in, exactly as you said, they're hearing about cancer, their eyes are glazing over and they're not taking in everything I said. So if they have a video that they can look at, even if it's five, 10 minutes, you know what I mean? A video that kind of explains what I'm going to, 
That way, when they either hear it again, or they may come in and have more specific questions because of that. And I think that can actually help streamline the consults. That'd be great. That'd be so awesome. Because the worst thing is, is, I mean, right now, everyone is so busy. Everyone's overwhelmed. They're booked. Nobody can have a time to talk to anyone. And so pet owners, of course, are going to Google and find the wrong information. Yeah. So if you had the right information, that's great. And I, and I know that um, regular vets are overwhelmed and, and they're not taking new clients. Are oncologists, are you guys able to keep up with the demand? Yeah, our, our group's a little bit different in that we have four medical oncologists and two radiation oncologists. So we're probably one of the biggest groups in the uh, on the East Coast, and we're out of Blue Pearl Malvern in, in Pennsylvania. So we probably have about a seven-day waiting list, but oncologists in our area that are solo, they're like six-week waiting lists. And as you know, many of these cancers, six weeks without treatment, they're not still here. So that makes it very hard when some of the groups are so backed up, we just soak up the rest of them. And, and it's been good. It's, it's been helpful. Plus, our group's also a little bit different in that we go out to what are called satellites. We have our main hospital in Malvern, but we do three days in a referral clinic in Allentown region called Valley Central. And then we go to a different group in Lancaster, Pennsylvania called Pets that we do two days. And I work Saturday still, at least till January. So within a seven-day work week, we actually see 11 days of oncology. Oh, 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 this is so good. Before we go to the next question, let's take a break and listen to our sponsors. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hey, this is Dr. Quincy Hawley, and I'm here to tell you about a new show. It's Vet Candy Rounds with the Hawleys. That's right, Dr. Tierra, the love of my life, and I have teamed up to bring you the most fascinating cases in the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or a podcast platform of your choice only on Vet Candy Radio. What about taking care of yourself? Like, how are you doing that? And you're like, you're speaking everywhere. You're all over the place. We just saw you in New Jersey. You were up there. You were traveling around. I know you go to the to the Giants game or the Jets, right? The Jets? Giants. 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 Giants sorry. I'm not a big football person. How do you take care of yourself? Like what, how do you make sure you don't overdo yourself? Because if, you know, if you're not able to do it, what's going to happen? Yeah. When I figure it out, I'll let you know. I still overcommit. This year upcoming is the first year that I've made some changes. So my boys are older now. One is two and a half and the other is almost nine. Two and a half. That's not old. That's not old. Well, meaning that they're, the nine-year-old is old enough that when they're very young, you know, every day is Groundhog Day. So the fact that I work on Saturdays wasn't a big deal because, you know, every day is a different, you know, it doesn't matter. There isn't weekends for them. But my oldest is old enough that it does matter now. So, you know, I, I'm giving up my Saturdays. I've done Saturdays for 20, 23 years. Uh-huh. I've been doing weekends and I'm finally giving that up. And I've, this year, I've, I've said no to several speaking engagements because I think it's time now that I, I'm, you know, pulling back a little bit and kind of doing the stuff that I want to do and spending more time with family. Good. You should. You should. Have you heard of, heard of the song Cats in the Cradle? Mm-hmm. Does Big it make time. you cry? It does, because when my son was first born, that song came on. And although I've tried very hard you know, I do so much extra stuff. I feel I haven't been as good to him as I should. So that's part of the reason now for taking a step back. Yeah, that's what I do to my husband is like, that's his trigger song. Like if he's, he gets too caught, he's not a veterinarian, but he gets too caught up on stuff. I will play that song. It's like, and he starts tearing up, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It still makes, makes me cry every time I hear it. But literally like literally right as he, the day he was born, I heard that song on Pandora. And for everyone who doesn't know that song, Google it, look up the lyrics if you're a parent. If you're not a parent, you don't get it unless you have a bad relationship with your dad. Like if your dad was out working six days a week when you were two and a half and nine and you you never saw your dad, it would really make you cry, especially when you're older, but not when you're young. So, so yeah. So Craig, listen to that song and don't work on the weekends. 
That's what I'm doing. I'm take, taking a step back. So it's been uh, it's been good. And I'm looking forward to the change. So one of the things I've noticed a trend in veterinary oncology is virtual visits like telemedicine. I know that a couple of your colleagues have started some things like what's the future for that? Because do you have to see people in person? Can you be home in your like pajamas, pants, but have your suit on and be taking consults? Do you have to be in person? I think I think some of the things we certainly can do. So I, I'm a consultant for VIN, and you know we basically just do consults with veterinarians, and that's basically all VIN is is, is working with veterinarians. In regards to the owner aspect, we do do phone consults, and we'll we have to have all the information sent to us. I think though that it is definitely the wave of the future, and I think it's definitely going to help. But there are a couple of challenges associated with it. I think one, there's legal implications depending upon the states. Certainly, they waived a lot of those because of COVID, but now the restrictions are coming back because the problem is you don't truly have a client-to-doctor relationship because you haven't really laid hands on the patient or seen them in person. So with that, you can't necessarily prescribe information. What you're basically giving them is, is what they can do to help them move forward. And I think for many owners, that's all they want. They may not want to do anything more, and it's just they want to be able to hear about what everything is. So I do think that there is some benefit to that without question. I'm thinking about making your life easier. What if you have, you're still in Malvern, but you're at home and you have your pajama pants on and your, and your, and your shoes and you're able to play with your kids and then you have a consult. So you go into camera and you're like, you know, you're this virtual consult that the people in Malvern are doing all the touching and feeling. And so you only have to come in maybe one day a week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are ways that it can potentially work, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, so you could be like Max Hedrum yeah. <laughs> of veterinary oncology, right? So that'd be cool. I'm just trying to make your life better. No, I appreciate it. Somebody has to, because I don't do a good enough job myself. So you have two boys. That's cool. That's cool. Connor and Kieran, they're wonderful kids. So you're Clifford, Irish, right? You got it. You're, that's super Irish names. Wow. That's so cool. So do you want them to be veterinarians? No, I mean, I think that, you know, veterinary medicine is is hard. You know, there's no doubt. I mean, my I had a very long road to it because, you know, where I went to college in Allentown, Muhlenberg was a small liberal arts school and they mainly spit out MDs. So they basically told me, you can't go to vet school now. It's too hard to get into. So then I went and did a, a master's in grad school. Then I, then I applied and um, it was a long time, you know, and it was hard because, all of most of my friends, you know, they either went to law school or med school or they went right to working and they all had money right away. And I was poor for many, many years of them having to uh, pay for me when we would go out because I was short. And um, that was tough. I, and I also think there probably needs to be some changes. You know, nurses are not paid as well as they should and primary care doctors are not paid as well as they should. You know, that's one of the big issues as to why you know, suicide is so high within it is that these poor kids are coming out with $250,000 of debt and they're starting at 70,000. You know, that, that numbers don't work. How are you ever going to get a house or anything with that? So I think part of it is that, and, you know, they're, they're trying to make strides, you know, Vin created a foundation and it's a wonderful page where it shows all the vet schools and tells you what you're going to owe. So people know, because I had no clue when I went to vet school. And again, I went down to Mississippi State. I went there a year early to get residency to get a cheaper amount. But even that, I had no idea. It didn't even occur to me what I was going to owe afterwards or how much that would be. And they feel that that's one of the things the vet schools don't do a good job of. They do a great job of bringing people in, but not telling them fiscal responsibility. So, you know, it's different for me as a specialist. You know, clearly what I command is much more. So I'm in a different plane, but I do feel for those coming out. Specialties are going to get hit hard because they're not even making 75000 a year in a specialty, right? They get 30000 if they're lucky a year. So what's going to happen to specialists? Or is it going to be people that can become specialists are going to be super rich or they're going to be people that just ignore their huge student loan debt and go in deeper? Or what? what's the future? Yeah, I mean, so the, the thing with specialty is exactly that. You're looking at another four years of your debt piling up. But, you know, normally a specialist is going to come out and command almost three times a normal salary. And it's even higher now. I mean, they're offering for, for you know, some specialists to come to a certain area, you know, $100,000 signing bonus just to get the people in. 
I've seen that for general practitioners. $100,000 is nothing. Yeah, and it's happening for both in ER. ER has shot up. They're they're getting whatever they want right now. One thing I've noticed too is like the equine profession, everyone is leaving. No one wants to become an equine practitioner and it's like dying off. Are there still enough applicants? Are there people wanting to be oncologists still? Are you guys going to be having a problem? The problem that we have is the same problem that's happening for other specialties is most of the training is done at university and there's only so many universities. So there's not as many residents coming out as the market needs. You know, for instance, ophthalmology, most of it's being done in referral clinics, ophthalmology, not university. And they're making to a point they had to do that because the universe, you know, most people didn't want to go back to university because an ophthalmologist commands a massive salary versus university would be a third of that. So many of them are in private practice. So that's where most of the training is going right now for that is is primary is private practice, not academia. Yes, yeah, same thing. Dermatology, dermatology is getting out, but you know, talking to students now, they always wanted to be a specialist, but they're leaving, like you said, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars student loan. They can't go to a salary of thirty thousand and pay their tuition. You know, how are they gonna do it? I don't know. It's a mess. I love talking with you. I could talk with you for days, but let's take a short break and let's hear from our sponsors. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hello, this is Caitlin Palmer. You probably know me as the desk wench. You know, the sweet TikTok receptionist who has to deal with the evil Karen Stevens. Well, if you like that, you are going to love my new podcast, Desk Wench Confessions. On my show, I have funny guests who tell me about their own Karens. Plus, we have contests, giveaways, and skits. Trust me, you are going to love it. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice on Vet Candy Radio. Let's do something fun. Let's play 21 questions and forget about the the bad stuff. Okay, ready to play? Sure. Okay. So your first question, Dr. Craig Clifford, what is the most embarrassing thing you've ever done? Certainly, I remember getting up to lecture in front of a big group and uh, my fly was down and did not realize until after I was done lecturing that my fly had been down the entire time. Uh, So that one, when it hit me, I I wanted to send an email apology to everybody that was at the lecture, uh, apologizing for sitting there with my fly down. Oh my gosh, that's pretty bad. Well, I wonder if you were in that 360 thing, you know, at least only like the first front people, you'd only have to send apologies to the people in the front row, right? But that was that was definitely one. That one that one always stands out for me. Did anyone was anyone looking at you funny while you were being lectured? You were lectured? Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to think about it afterwards where people looking at me strange, but I'm I'm sure there were people that pointed it out, like, oh my God, look at this Momo up here. You know, like this is supposed to be a famous oncologist, not so much. You can't even remember to pull a zipper up. Yep. Okay, cool. So next question is what's the most spontaneous thing you've ever done? Back when my my wife, we were dating, we uh, decided to just, we took a trip out to Las Vegas, spent a weekend in Las Vegas. We literally just showed up at the airport, bought the tickets, went to Las Vegas and uh, spent a weekend out in Las Vegas. That's probably one of the most spontaneous ones. And she is not a spontaneous person. It She has, has everything planned out. So the fact that I was able to get her to do that was uh, pretty amazing because she won't even show up at a movie theater unless we know exactly what movies we're going to see and what it's going to be. She's not that type. She's very planned out and I'm and I'm very all over the place, which is probably how we work so well together. Oh, cool. And speaking of that, she's also a veterinarian, right? Veterinary oncologist as well. Yes. Yeah. Veterinary oncologist. Because we have you featured in Vet Candy's uh, February magazine, which is Love and Careers. The editor is Paul Diaz, and he's doing the career part, and I'm putting together the love part for this one, as him he being the editor of the issue. So I'm excited to tell the world about how you met, and you later married your wife. But I do know you did not get married in Las Vegas that weekend, right? We did not get married in Las Vegas. We ended up getting married in uh, Mexico, which was fun. We brought about a. Uh, 
50, 50 to 60 friends down and they all made a week of it. And we all had a great week in, in um, Cancun. Oh, nice. Nice. That sounds nice. It was. It was a good time. How long have you guys been married? Uh, 12 years. Wow. And then how long have you known her? Uh, yeah, I knew her since uh, I was the, a resident at Penn. So she was a student. I was a resident. Then she was uh, an intern at the hospital I worked at. And then eventually she was actually my resident. And we weren't dating then, that's for sure. <laughs> she had no interest in me at that point. Oh, she probably hated you. You know, she probably like complained about you. Dr. Craig drives me crazy. Yep. And it was several years after she finished her residency that we actually got back and started dating and that we've been together since. Oh, good. Good. So cool. So uh, next question is, what's your dream day like? Like if you had 24 hours, no commitments to anybody else, you turn off your no phones, no nothing. You can go anywhere you want, unlimited budget. Where would you go and who would you bring? And what would you do? I would definitely go somewhere, the Caribbean with a beach, maybe Turks and Caicos. I would just have a good book with me. I would have my any of my friends who wanted to go, family as well, but I would just be on a nice hammock, sleeping, napping, reading, and just doing absolutely nothing. That's what I like to do with my vacations. I don't I do enough running around all day long and everything that when I get a great vacation to just sit and just catch up on stuff, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Well, what book would you be reading? I tend to love detective novels. That and I'm a Star Wars nerd, so that would be the other one. Yeah, speaking of being a Star Wars nerd, I just came back from a, I had been at a, um, an auction last year and I, being a Star Wars person, I had won a certificate for George Lucas's Skywalker Ranch. So he actually has his own winery and I was able to do a tour of it. And the cool part was my one vice is I play a Star Wars game. It mellows me out. It's something I do on my phone. I took four people from the game who I had never met before. And we all met in California. We all got an Airbnb. First time seeing each other, we met at the airport. And we all had such a good time. It was really, really cool. The, the bummer with the Skywalker Ranch, let's take pictures. We had to sign a non-disclosure that we wouldn't talk or take any pictures as to what we saw. And the stuff was unbelievable. It was a, it was a lot of fun. And we brought back a lot of wine from it. But uh, But that was kind of a fun experience being older. And, you know, people you never saw, like never knew before. I only knew their screen name. And uh, they, we came from all different walks of life, all different parts of the country. And uh, we all had a great time. So it gelled really well. So it was a great, a great weekend. Oh, like, like the kids from like uh, Stranger Things are playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's like meeting your Dungeons and Dragons, Stranger Things people. That's so cool. Okay, so next question is, if you had to go in a time machine to anywhere, any location, future or past, where would you go and what would you do? You know, the obvious ones, would you go back in time and prevent something horrible from happening? You know, would you, you know, do something, prevent baby Hitler from being born or something like that? That's an obvious one. Uh, Certainly, uh, uh, as a selfish one, would love to be able to go back and uh, uh, get a winning Powerball ticket would actually be a fun one as well. The one that just was, what, one billion a month ago? which was pretty amazing. I think those would be some of the things that I would consider, but I'm also somewhat of a history buff and I would probably love going back to like, um, you know, old Western times would be kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Everyone has a very interesting, like no one has said the same thing on that. There's some things that vets say the same thing on, but everyone has something different on there. So cool. Here's a question that the vets mostly answer the same animal. Let me see what you answer. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be and why? I think I would be a wolf. I love the the pack mentality of wolves. And I've always been the type of person that's kind of a pack animal. So I think it would be definitely being a wolf and being within a group of them. I just think they're such unbelievable animals and their their social structure and everything is just fascinating. Have you ever seen the movie Gray? Yes. The Gray with Liam Neeson. Oh my God. That's like one of the best movies. I've, I love Liam, Liam Neeson. I'll watch him in anything, and he is putting out a lot of junk right now, but his acting is amazing, but everybody else is awful. But The Gray was like the best movie I've ever seen with him. Yeah, and one of one of my favorite books was called The Wild, you know, where Buck joins the wolves and becomes part of them. That was a great book. One of the first, I remember, first big books, important books I read growing up. What's your favorite childhood memory? 
I guess I would say two things. One, you know, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad, but one thing we both loved was sports. So that was something we bonded on. And my dad would take me once a year to go see the Giants. So being able to drive out with him and and watch the game with him, see him get all fired up and and kind of uh, spend the time with him was wonderful. And I think the the second big one was when my parents were very anti-pets, but, you know, I knew I wanted to be a vet and I was able to push it with two family members being allergic to dogs. I was able to push it that we got a family dog. So that was a big one. The first time we brought the dog, his name was Duke. He was a golden retriever. When we first brought Duke home, that was wonderful. Growing up with him, what, how, you know, when you grow up with pets, for people who have never grown up with pets, it's just such an amazing thing to have them, you know, as you get older. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, most veterinarians were inspired by a dog or a cat, right? It was something they had an experience with when they were younger. And probably Duke is what is inspired you to become a veterinarian, right? It was certainly one of the one of the impetus for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What's the last book you read that you loved? It's been a bit. That's the problem. It was actually probably a Star Wars book on uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was the book. <laughs> so it was uh, when those come out, it was uh, a book called Brotherhood. And it was, you know, within within the Star Wars lore, there is famous Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi. And the person he trained is called Anakin Skywalker. Anakin is the one who goes on to become Darth Vader. So mm-hmm. um, the whole story about it and their friendship, how they eventually then turned on each other is uh, it's a sad thing, certainly for the history of, of it, but it's just anytime I can get my hands on a book like that, where it's new material that comes out, I jump on that. So I am a Star Wars nerd, self-proclaimed. You are. So if like, if you could decorate your room, you would have had like Star Wars bedding, right? You'd have the mattress, like the bedspread with Star Wars on it if you were in charge, right? Yep. So I live vicariously through my my oldest son because that's what his room looks like. So I buy all because my wife will not let me put it in our room. So I buy all those things for him. So he has that stuff everywhere. So you drop it off and you give him like $5. Don't tell your mom and stuff. And everyone's and like his friends come over like, wow, you like Star Wars? Like, no, my father pays me to put this in my room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Do you get to take them to games? Do you bring them to see the Giants? I do. My youngest, it's really funny. My youngest is not interested in like, as a sport, my oldest is nine. Um, he's a swimmer and he does MMA and that's his thing. He doesn't want to do any combined sports, no team sports, no nothing. But my youngest, he'll actually sit and watch a football game while we're sitting there. And he, he, he loves to yell, go football or go giants. So I think he's going to be the one going to the games with me. That's so funny. That's so funny. Uh, the next question is, is what's the, and it's going to be Star Wars. What's the latest show you've binge watched? Uh, latest show I've been watching. No, it's actually we've been doing uh, Yellowstone. We we love Yellowstone. Oh my god! And now we started doing 1883, and I think it's this Sunday, 1923 comes out. So I love the show Yellowstone. We've been very blessed. We have a friend who has a party in Montana every year. He's a former client. Yeah, you tell me about that. Yeah, he brings five five hundred people out there for it. So. We've gotten to see Montana, and I totally understand when people use the term God's country, I totally get it once you're there. So when that show came out, we got to see images of Montana with it. We absolutely love it. Plus, it's a great show. You know, a lot of cool characters. Okay, okay. Let me stop you here. Let's take a break and go to our sponsors. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hey, this is Dr. Julio Alonso, and I'm here to tell you about my new show on Pet Candy TV. You can learn all about how to take the best care of your pets. Stream at My Pet Candy 24-7 on YouTube, iTunes, and most other video platforms. We're doing a series on veterinarians in Alaska, and almost everyone said the Yellowstone. That was for the Alaska women, like the frontiersmen women said that. So I've heard that a lot. It's making me want to watch it, but I heard it's like very violent. I mean, it is, it is, but it's a, it's a very good show. Uh, their precursor to it's called 1883 and it's great. And her Faith Hill is in it, right? Faith Hill. And Tim McGraw actually. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. I've always loved them. I've always like loved that they had the little marriage and stuff and 
and stuff. I saw her once when I was at VMX used to be called North um, Eastern States. Remember a long time ago? And if we did go to it when we were in vet school, we had to go to vet school. <laughs> so you thought they were joking, but they would have class and you would have to go and you'd be the only one in class. So we all got in my friends like 1979 El Camino and drove to Orlando. They're going to kick me out of school now or take back my diploma. We would go to like the different like Disneyland and Universal. And we were at Universal one day and she was taping a video for something about I forget one of her earlier songs and she had a red jacket on and she was like probably like six feet away from us. I didn't know really who she was like right when she was starting out. She was like the Taylor Swift of my generation. You know, she was like the Taylor Swift. Next question is, what's the weirdest dream you've ever had? I used to have a lot of end of the world dreams and those were always pretty scary with like um, people after me and chasing me. I had that for years and years and then finally it just... um, you know, I stopped having them, but those were probably the scariest ones. Like an apocalypse had happened and I was one of the few people still alive. And there's this competing group trying to get me. I used to do more of a nightmare than a good dream, but I used to dream about that a lot. When you were a kid, you had that dream? Yes. Okay. You know, what's funny that you said that there, there's a guy who just created a, his own movie and the movie is becoming like this phenomenon, like this viral phenomenon. He paid 15,000 to, to direct it. And he said he had a website where it was all about nightmares of people. And he developed this movie about it. And guess what the movie is exactly what you described. That's a very common nightmare of children where in the movie, it says that um, like these two kids wake up, their parents are gone there's no doors or windows and there's something in the house. It's like the apocalypse. It's very weird. So you are not alone, Craig. You are not alone. I can't remember the name of the movie. It starts with an S. I'll have to look it up and text you. It's very popular. And they say it's one of the scariest movies you've ever seen. You know, but this could be all a bunch of PR. You know, a lot of people tell me that it's their teeth falling out. And most people also tell me, I don't know if you've had this too, but you dream that you're still in vet school and you have to take a test. And if you don't pass it, you have to go back to like first year. Do you have that dream? Every now and then I've had the dreams about taking a test that I wasn't prepared for, but that was never like something that happened to me a lot. Only a couple of times I've had that one. Okay. Okay. Well, for everybody else, we're always having it. So except me, I've recently stopped having it. I think I was having it all the time. Like I would have to go right back start all over. And I was like, oh, and I was, and I just thought I had to, but at least I was going to, cause like now I'd be like, there's no way on earth I'm going to go back there and do that again. But in my dream, I was like, oh, I'll do it. It'll be bad, but I'll do it. So next question is, are you more of a morning person or night person? Morning. Definitely. I'm up at five and I, I'm at work at six at one of the sites I go to I actually start seeing cases at 6 a.m. And when I get there, you know, it's like just about six or I sometimes I get there 10 of six and the owners are already in the parking lot. But that's one of the things I've changed. I see cases early, but I leave early. So I actually leave work by 2.30 every day. Oh, that's good. That's good. And again, if you did, you could do this remotely from your island, from your hammock and then go into work like once a week, you could go to the mainland to work. I think that's what you got to work on. Okay. Next is what's on your bucket list? I think my bucket list is a lot more travel that I want to do. Um, there are definitely, I want to see a lot more of the natural parks within the United States. And then I want to get to New Zealand. I've been to Australia several times, but I've never been to New Zealand, never been to Asia. I am excited. I haven't gotten the official invite, but I was told for the World Cancer Congress in uh, Japan, I'm going to be asked to speak for 2024. So I am very excited. Hopefully that comes through. I don't want to jinx it. Knock on wood. Yeah, I'm crossing my fingers. Think how you've got to go on the subway because you're going to like be towering over people. They're going to be so amazed when you're walking around, you know, you're really going to stand out in Japan. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I just the whole culture, everything about it is just wonderful. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Have you seen The Grudge? I keep watching The Grudge. Yeah. So watch out. Don't go into any haunted houses down there. Yeah, I will definitely sure. stay away from things like that. That uh, that that movie. I'm a horror fan. So I definitely saw that when it first came out in the movie theater. Yeah, it was that changed things. Yeah. So um, speaking of Japan, you say you go to Japan, you go into a bar. 
the people who are picking the speakers for the New Zealand conference are in the room. What's your go-to karaoke song that you can nail to get that speaking position? Uh, Don't Stop Believing would be one of them or Daydream Believer from the Monkees. I was a Monkees fan as a child. Me too. I wanted to marry Davy Jones. I loved him. Yeah, I loved I loved Mickey Dolan's was my favorite. I met Mickey Dolan's in real life. I did. I was I was 18. Yeah. So the funny thing was I had asked my parents when I was like seven or eight if I could change my name to Mickey, legally change my name to Mickey because I loved Mickey Dolan so much. It was uh, summarily told no, of course, but that was something I wanted to do. Listen to this. I was 18. I always loved the monkeys. And they came to Charleston, West Virginia, and they did a concert. And I had, uh, this is like, they weren't even popular. I was such a loser. And one of my friends was with me. And we were 18, and uh, we dressed up like we were older, you know, but I'm sure we looked like we were 12. And then we went to the Marriott next door. They have a restaurant and a bar. And I saw him in there he was so drunk they were all drunk and um i said like he was walking around trying to find the bathroom and i acted like i worked there and i said oh it's right down here sir and he was like stumbling over himself drunk and his daughter was there who also was um she was in the remake of the blob her name is amy dolenz she's a b actress so she was there too and she was probably like embarrassed because they were all drunk and stuff but Anyway, he like I loved him too, but I like my I, like I loved 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 Davy Jones, but Mickey was the most talented. My God, that guy was so talented. Yeah, you know he was definitely talented. So I can't believe I showed him how to where to go to the bathroom. So now you know six degrees of Mickey Mickey Dolenz. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next question is, what's the biggest lesson you've ever learned? I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is not a good one. I would say, well, good one, but not a good one is. You have to you have to look out for yourself because there's not always people doing it for you. You need to be the one to take care of yourself. You need to be the one to look out for yourself in your career. Um, I've been blessed, and I always had a lot of people who helped me in my career, and I've tried to pay it back by doing that. But I think sometimes if you don't stand up for yourself, others may not. Yeah, you do. That's true. And actually, I learned that on this. This my favorite show is Working Moms. I watch it while I get ready, and um, just watching it now. And this um, Sloan recommended to Cage. She said, "Cage, you got to pleasure yourself because no one else is going to pleasure you." Is what she said. Because Kate didn't want to buy a very expensive purse, and then guess what? Kate bought that purse. She did, and she was very happy. So, um, what's the um, one thing you can't live without? Phone, definitely. I need my phone. Everything is on there. Um, all my contacts, all my everything. If you've been asked me like, what's somebody's phone number? I'd have no idea because it's all in the phone. So if I didn't have my phone and I check it all the time, I'm definitely a type A. Um, that is something I can't live without. Yeah, that's true. Like in the old days, you would know people's phone number by heart. I don't know my mother's phone number. I know my husband's phone number. Yeah, nobody does anymore. You just have them as a contact and you click the contact. That would be strange if something happened to all the phones. No one could call each other. We'd have to go to Instagram. I'd have to Instagram my mom. Okay, next is what's your biggest guilty pleasure? Uh, I think my biggest guilty pleasure is is that Star Wars game I was telling you. You know, it's something that when I come home, I take about an hour to myself and everybody leave me alone and I do my thing and it just it just calms me down. It's almost like, you know, some people come home, they pour a glass of something. For me, I sit down and that's what I do. And um, it just makes me feel better. Oh, and your your nine-year-old's probably like, uh, mom, we need to talk to dad about his screen time. Yeah. <laughs> right? So next question is, is if you were a superhero, what kind of superpower would you have? Oh, I definitely want to fly. If I could fly, then I could go anywhere. And I wouldn't need to worry about uh, planes that are late and things like that and having to travel. I'd be able to just do it all myself. So I would definitely want to fly. You know what? That is the number one answer of veterinarians. And I didn't tell you, but before the number one animal for veterinarians is cats. Everyone wants to be a cat. Yes. Or some type of a cat. So that's cool. That's very cool. Do you ever dream that you're flying? 
Have you ever had that feeling? I used to. Yeah. When I was younger, I used to have these dreams all the time of flying. It was really wild. I would start off very low off the ground and then I could slowly make myself go higher. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. That's so cool. You answered all my questions. And so far you've answered, you did a great job. You did an amazing job. It's like, it's nice to get to know the man behind the cool outfits, right? Behind this show. So um, you were also telling me earlier that you are on the mission to help gather knowledge about cancers and you're working with Jagger Pharmaceuticals. So how can we help you with cancer studies? So one of the things that we're embarking upon is uh, one of the challenges we have in, in oncology is that we really don't know what the incidence and prevalence is of certain diseases. We don't know how many we see a year because in people, we all have health insurance. You have to put in codes so they know exactly how many of each they see. And that's actually important when you think of industry, pharmaceuticals coming in, you know, they're doing it not just out of the kindness of their hearts, they're doing it because they're looking to make a profit. And if we can't tell them what the market looks like, it's very difficult for them to jump in and be part of it. So this is something that um, others have looked at, haven't been able to put together, but I think we finally got some legs on this. Teresa Fossum is the other co-chair along with me, and it's run through Jaguar Animal Health and a company called Togo Run. And it is the one of the first real cancer registries. And basically the records get uploaded into the computer. It's all done anonymously. So none of the owner's data or anything goes with it. And we're gonna to look to do it from state to state. So you can actually see what cancers are more likely in certain states, what breeds are more likely, and we're looking to build it. Oh, this is so interesting. Cause animals can also be um, uh, a sent sentinel model for humans. You got it, a sentinel for us with certain disease, exactly. So things like that to see, are we seeing clusters of certain cancers that are occurring in people and animals within certain geographic locations. So that's what we're looking to do. And they've done a great job of the marketing for it right now. We just need where we've met with Blue Pearl, who I'm part of to see if they will allow it. And we're just waiting for the IT to make sure they feel comfortable to connect. And if we can do that, then knowing that I'm part of Mars, then VCA, Banfield, you know, because those are the biggest groups, clearly, is the, is the consolidators. If we can get them on board, we're really going to build up some numbers and then get academia involved. We have a great advisory board. It's made up of people in academia and in referral practice, and everybody's really hungry to get this going. So we're very excited about it. So it's the real first of its kind. Well, I know Banfield has the State of the Union or whatever every year, the State Animal Report. They don't go into detail on the cancers. They don't go in. What kind of detail are you looking that they're not going to pick up on that? Yeah, I mean, so the thing is, we need to know not only the cancer, what cancer they were diagnosed with. We need to know all the signament of the patient, how they were staged, how they were then treated so we can then follow up information. See, that needs to be published. Each one needs to be published. I see that in the UK a lot. They'll publish a lot of like a medical records review data, like on thousands of animals. And that really is amazing. Like they've done, yeah, if we could do that, that would be incredible. Big data is definitely where it's at. You know, I was approached through Mars. They came to me with a question that had been given to the, um, the people that handle all the numbers. And basically it was a simple one about lymphoma. Does, you know, persistent anemia play a role in how they do? So they're like, so we went through all of the records for persistent anemia. It was 345,000 cases. So that's the kind of thing we can now start to do is those types of numbers. And some of the stuff they found from their data was just fascinating. So I'm really excited about what big data is going to start to give us. And Banfield can easily lead the way because the beauty of Banfield is they have very well-defined protocols on how they treat things. Everything gets done the same way because, as you know, one of the big problems of veterinary medicine is everybody treats things differently. How do you then get any meaningful data from it? The fact that groups like Banfield have standard operating procedures they do makes it incredibly well, and they're going to be putting out tons of publications with their data. I have seen that. I was wondering why we haven't been doing that. Like, they do sort of generic, but to go, they'll, they'll get a disease and they'll go into detail. So a lot of the articles we published where we had some really great, you know, and again, like tens of thousands of patients with a certain disease that they looked at was great. Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. So I hate to do this, but let's take a break and listen to our sponsor. <laughs> 
be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy IRL is an exciting podcast from the hearts, minds, and mouths of Shannon Gregoire, Tatiana Rogers, and Lexi Rodriguez. The show celebrates inspirational role models and focuses on empowerment and equality. Check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and more. How can people get involved if they want to join your cancer registry? So uh, Jaguar Animal Health, if you go to Jaguar Animal Health, they have all the information regarding the cancer registry for it. And what I can also do is I'll send you the link for it. That way, when you put this whole thing together, you can simply read off the link for them. I'll put it in the notes. I will put the link in the notes. And then if anybody wants to connect with you, how can they connect with you? At the Giants game? <laughs> See me at the Giants game, certainly, but email me, uh, cliffdoc2000 at Yahoo, C-L-I-F-F-D-O-C 2000 at Yahoo. Always happy to answer questions. Well, what about um, like on social media? Are you, I know you're on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn, Instagram. Instagram is Ankvet2208. Ankvet2208. Okay, perfect, perfect. So if anybody wants to connect with Dr. Craig, definitely do so. But don't bug him too much because he needs to, he needs to have quality time. Yeah, so Dr. Craig, my plan for you is to figure out a way for you to, get a bunch of money where you don't have to work so hard and you can just go in a hammock and read your books or go in your Star Wars group and have parties. So great. It was so much fun having you. So if any, if anybody is a Dr. Craig fan like me, you can check him out on Vet Candy. And if you go to our CE page, he's like, he is probably the most popular person on the oncology. He's got several different videos. His latest videos are mast cell tumors, everything you need to know. And now I feel like I'm an expert on oncology after watching his shows. And then he also has a case study one he's done and he had three vets on and they talked about their experience treating mast cell tumors. Plus, you will learn a lot about him and his wife in a February issue of Vet Candy Magazine. So thank you for listening and thanks for being on the show, Dr. Craig. I appreciate it. It's been a wonderful time. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.